Hey writers, welcome back to Story Magic, the podcast that will help you write a book you're damn proud of. I'm Emily. And I'm Rachel. And today we're going to talk about what the fuck agency is. (laughs) (laughs) This is like, I love talking about agency because it's so important, but I do find it's one of those terms that writers are like, yeah, I know what it is. It's like one yes. of those things you don't, you're like, of course I know what it means, but you like can't actually put it into words, but you don't want to sound like, <laughs> at least this was my yeah. experience. I was like, I don't want to sound uneducated <laughs> because yeah, well, I don't actually know what this means, but I don't get it. <laughs> that Well, that's the thing. I think that's the important part. I think it, like definition wise, oh, okay, that's easy. I think it's easy to yeah. like understand it's tough to put in practice i think there's usually a disconnect between how it's explained and then like how to do it on the page or how to plot it or how to plan it um people i think often um i mean we talk about this when we talk about plot and character outlining but there's and and the way that you outline from bottom to top story fundamentals down it just is like Mm -hmm. There's so often a disconnect between the craft knowledge that you know and the implication of that knowledge onto the page Yes, absolutely. So today we are going to break it down real hard <laughs> into real simple, simple. Real simple building blocks and really give you steps for how to actually go about doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So let's start with the definition. I'm rolling my eyes because we were just like, you get the definition, but it's not what it means, but the definition is important. So yeah, and we, are, we will tell you what it means. Yes. So agency is simply the drive and capacity to make choices, right? So your characters need to both want something and they Mm -hmm. also need to have the capacity to make choices in the pursuit of getting that something, Mm -hmm. Um, which sounds really simple, but it means that you need, your characters need to be making choices on the page and they need to have the ability to, which I think is often yeah. something that's tricky is that we put our characters in situations where it can be really hard to figure out how to give them choices. Um, yeah. But we ha- they need to want something and they need to be acting in pursuit of that something. That's the other thing. It's like sometimes characters want something, but we're not seeing them going after that thing on the page. So... These goals and these choices are what drive a story forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you just like nailed it. Where the the important part of agency is that they they really have to want something, and so often our characters don't have a clear drive, like a clear desire. So then, how are they supposed to make choices to get that desire if they don't know what they want? Um, so these these ideas of of goals and agency mm-hmm. are so tied together that the understanding and the implementation of these two topics, like they have to go hand in hand. Your character has to want something because that's how that they make choices to get it. And unless if they're not making choices to get it, then they're, do they really want that thing? So they're like cyclical and they work hand in hand. Um, Characters need goals in order to have that agency. Yeah. Um, So if you've ever heard the term of a Mary Sue, which is this is another one of those things, right? Like those terms that get thrown around for the longest time. I was like, yeah, I know what a Mary Sue is, but I didn't actually. (laughs) (laughs) So a Mary Sue happen type of character happens when a character is being pushed along by external influences, right? Versus creating action um, by making their own choices. And so the reason that we don't want that and we want characters that are making choices and Um, engaging with the story is that your reader is living vicariously through your character. And so they want Mm -hmm. to feel like they are 
in the story, making choices, making things happen, because otherwise it just feels like we're getting pushed along. Um, and that doesn't make for as engaging of a read. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the, and even with like the term Mary Sue for a second, um, I think so often I was, the reason I brought this up is I was having this conversation with a friend of mine um, where she was like, oh, this character is such a Mary Sue. And I was like, no, she's not. Like she wants, she has very strong goals. Like she's doing a lot to get her goals. And my friend was like, well, no, but she's just so perfect. Like she's so like mm. cookie cutter version of girl. And I was like, I don't, number one, I, I disagree. But number two, like um, – <laughs> That's not like a Mary Sue, the perfect cookie cutter version is still not having goals like that version of that character, like the princess type who's just being pulled along, strung along. Those characters don't make choices. Those characters don't have agency. Those characters are being pulled along. And the reason that they seem so cardboard and bland is because they don't want anything. The reason yeah. that they seem so cookie cutter and perfect is because now we're going to get into patriarchy for just a second. <laughs> Like those Mary Sue characters that are the perfect princesses are the version of women that we're told to be, where we have yeah. no choices, where we are just a, an amalgamation of of a man's view of what is right. Um, so anyway, characters need strong goals, but like <laughs> they need to want something, and that and their pursuit of that thing gives them depth and realness and. Um, uniqueness compared to other characters. Like no two characters are going to want the same thing for the same reasons. So yeah. by giving them those desires, you're going to make them unique. You're going to make them strong. You're going to make them stand out from the other quote unquote Mary Sue's out there that do nothing and that are just perfect cardboard replacements of what women should be. <laughs> and it. rant. Patriarchy rant over. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So basically what we've told you so far is agency is the driving capacity to make choices and your characters need to have goals, right? Okay. So you probably have heard that your characters need goals. Yes. You've probably worked on your character's goals. So great. Okay. We've got that, right? Now, what do I do with that, right? How do we break that down? And so um, we love to talk about goals in the context of you have – these big overarching goals, mm -hmm. which are like the story goal that carries your character through the whole story. But then you also have scene goals, which is what your character wants in each specific scene in the story. It's what they're going after in each specific scene. Um, and those two things need to be tied, but mm -hmm. also having them tied gives you the opportunity to really build a cohesive story and make sure that you understand why scenes are important um, mm -hmm. into your story and why, you know, if you've ever had the question of like, how do I order my scenes? What needs to come first? And what needs to come second? Like it mm -hmm. all comes down to this is like, how are your scene goals tied to your story goals? Yeah. So let's throw out some, some more definitions. So story goal is what your character wants in that greater external narrative. Your character is going to have like one all consuming goal. It's what they're actively and passionately fighting for throughout the story. It's the thing that they know that they want. It's what's driving them on this journey to like be in your book. Um, whether or not like this is what they consciously want, whether or not it's like right. This is what they're trying mm -hmm. to get. And this is what they're trying to do throughout the story. So if you're like 
what's my story about? What's my character doing? Well, they should be doing something. Save the prince. Um, <laughs> like uncover the mystery. Solve the, Win the solve the murder. Games. <laughs> Win the Hunger Games. Like something big um, that they're doing. Yeah. The scene goal is what they want in one specific scene. Yeah. So it's like they're pursuing this big thing, like win the Hunger mm-hmm. Games. But then in every scene, they're doing something to get closer to that goal. So yeah. that would be like find water so that you don't dr- like die of dehydration. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a scene goal. Katniss is still trying to do that in that scene, but it ultimately like points toward her story goal of I want to win the Hunger Games. Yeah. So, okay. So – Bear with us for a second because we're going to break story goal into two pieces <laughs> <laughs> because because it's important to to look at the two kind of levels of what a story goal is. So your story, when well, we're talking about that external all-consuming thing, right? Winning the mm-hmm. Hunger Games that they're actively and passionately fighting for. We're talking about their external story goal. So their external story goal is the thing that they – consciously know that they want whether they're aware of why they want it or not so this is where like sometimes they're going after the wrong thing right and then they're going to realize what they actually need later this is what we're talking about we're talking about that external thing they consciously um want it it's what they're trying to do during the story it's what's driving them and the reader to care right we want katniss to win the hunger games um, and it's external. It is outside their body. It is outside of their emotions. It is something tangible that they are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the inside, the second layer of the story goal is the internal story goal. So the internal goal is the thing that they really deeply want, right? So this mm-hmm. is often subconscious. It's often buried. It's often hidden. It's a desire that's driven them through most of their life. It's something that um, just is really, really deep in their soul. Um, and it's something that they will want regardless of how the story goes, where the story starts, anything like that. It is something that is, um, individual to their unique humanity, something that, um, that they, they really want out of life. Mm -hmm. And it's the desire that's going to connect them with the reader because it's, it's some kind of universal human want, right? Something like wanting to be loved, wanting to be seen, wanting to be safe, wanting to be, um, appreciated, respected, right? Those are things that most humans in some way, <laughs> some form or another can get behind. Um, and so this is inside their body or emotions. So the way that these two things are tied, the story, the two story goals, the external goal and the internal goal is that the internal goal is the thing that they really deeply want, even if they don't know it. And the, they're going after their external goal because they think it will give them their internal goal. They think that by achieving their external goal, they will also achieve that internal deep human desire. Um, can you remind me for a second what Katniss is, is since we were using that? Oh, we just we just redid that. Um, I think it had to do with safety. Um, yeah, she like, wants safety for her family. She wants yeah. to protect her family. Um, and so she she wants to get home. She wants to win the Hunger Games because she wants to get home to protect her mother and her sister. Yeah. Um, and she feels that they will not be safe um, as long as she is away from them. And mm-hmm. so that's what makes her Katniss. She's, she's, there could be a million reasons why she's trying to win the Hunger Games. But what makes her her is that human desire to protect her sister um, that we, you know, any reader can get behind. We all know what that 
that desire to protect our loved ones feels like. Um, and so those are the big goals that are driving the story, right? You have this external thing, it's tangible, it's pushing the story forward. And then you have this internal human desire that is um, driving that external goal that the reader can really connect with. So those are story goals. <laughs> we haven't yeah. even talked about scene goals yet. I'll let you take right. that one. Well, I, I want to do another example of, of story goals because we were just talking about this in the Tenacious Writing Slack um, about uh, revenge plots. Um, mm. And as we were discussing, I was like, this fits so well with, I mean, obviously, but like revenge stories fit so strong here. And in our Tenacious Writing Slack, we were discussing The Count of Monte Cristo. Um, mm. Have you seen, have you read the book or seen the movie? I have not. My husband recently watched the really old, old movie <laughs> of it. There, there's like a two, uh, 2000s movie, which I really enjoy. And then I think there's an older, an older version. Yes, movie. it was there's a very been, old version. <laughs> like black and white. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm drawing from the movie right now. So The Count of Monte okay. Cristo is a revenge story. The It, it follows this man who um, his best friend is, is a count and – he is in love with this woman. Um, they plan to get married. The, his best friend is jealous. And so his best friend um, basically betrays him, gets him arrested, taken away to prison. And then while he's gone, he tells the girl that he died. And so his best friend marries the love of his life. Gotcha. Makes sense so far. <laughs> yeah. I'm not uh -huh. saying anything. Okay. So um, – the man is sent off to prison is in prison for like 15 years, like something really, really long. And he's just thinking about revenge that entire time. He wants revenge on Count Mondego, who is his best friend mm -hmm. who betrayed him. And so he um, learns and becomes strong and he like makes friends with this guy in prison who teaches him everything he knows anyway. And then he escapes from prison, assumes the identity, a fake identity of the Count of Monte Cristo um, mm -hmm. because he – finds a treasure, this funds his revenge plot. And he becomes the Count of Monte Cristo and his goal is to get revenge on his best friend. He, that's the story goal, revenge on Count Mondego. His internal story goal is that he wants healing. He yeah. thinks that if he gets revenge on Count Mondego, he, his, he will be vindicated. It will be justice. He will be healed. He will finally like, those 15 years he was in prison, he, he'd be able to make sense of them because he assumed the revenge. He got what he wanted. Yeah. Um, and he learns on this journey that revenge is, is not what he wants. What he really wants is love, um, the love of the woman that he left or that was taken from him. And so they, they um, like get together. They fall in love again. And he realizes, okay, that's what I wanted the whole time. He's healed through love the love of his family not through the yeah. revenge so anyway i think it, i think it works so well because his he has such a strong story goal get revenge and everything that he does is get revenge until he gets a taste of his internal goal which is the healing mm -hmm. the love that he really wants and his arc is about letting go of that revenge to achieve his his healing the the love that he needs um and in revenge stories, the bad guy like always gets justice. So Count Mondego gets <laughs> the justice that he deserves. Um, but anyway, it worked so well. And we were just talking about it. So I had to share it as another example. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Revenge is a great one where, you know, there are a million internal reasons why we might want to get revenge on someone. It could be guilt. It could be desire mm -hmm. for healing, a desire for love, a desire to be seen, right? Um, and so that's what makes your character so unique. 
is, um, you know, what's driving them and why. So, okay. So we've talked about that story level, yep. those big goals. Let's break down. Um, you want to break down what scene goals are for us? Yep. Um, so the that scene goal definition I gave earlier is what your character wants in one specific scene. So let's go back to Count of Monte Cristo. Um, he, he wants revenge on Count Mondego. So in one scene, he throws a ball so that he can get closer to Count Mondego. So his goal in that scene is to um, earn Count Mondego's trust. Um, mm. But he knows that's one step closer on his revenge plot. Um, with Katniss, for example, her external story goal is to win the Hunger Games, but a scene goal that she has is to find water, to find shelter, um, to save Rue. Like it's, they're all different stepping stones. Scene goals are basically stepping stones towards the story goal, the ultimate thing that they want. Yeah. Does every scene, every single one, have to connect to your to your story goal? That's a question yes. that I get a lot. <laughs> yes, that's a one word answer. Yes, they should. Yeah. Um, but to go to go a little bit deeper into that, yes, because and this is how you create cohesion and strength, and this is how you tie agency into these goals. Is that every single scene, the character needs to be pursuing something. They have a plan. They, they're going to do something to get what they want. And so they're they're pursuing that thing in every scene and it drives the plot forward. It's their goals. And then we're going to talk about scene choices. But those two things together are what drive their story forward to make it a logical step-by-step process to get them to the story goal that they want, to get them yeah. closer to it. So how do how do scene choices tie into all of this fit into this yeah <laughs> so we talked a, a lot at the beginning of the podcast about how agency right is the capacity and drive to make choices so we the goals are the drive part right the drive to make decisions to because you want something right um and but you also need to show your character making decisions in the pursuit of their goals making difficult decisions making flawed decisions right you want them to be you want to put them in situations in which they they must make a decision about how to move forward because those decisions always the decisions we make every decision mm -hmm. has consequences right and so when you give them the opportunity in every single scene, and yes, we mean every single scene, to make um, to make choices, then you are engaging us in A, their agency, but also like their personality because you get to understand yeah. how and why they make the choices that they make. And that makes them a three-dimensional human being. And we've talked mm -hmm. a lot about internal obstacles before. We're not going to talk about it um, a lot today, but Right, though that that flawed belief that they have that they need to unlearn for the story is going to show up in those choices. And I was just I was just talking about this with a client actually yesterday or Friday because yesterday was Sunday, uh, <laughs> the last work day. But yes. um, I was just talking with a client about um, about how in order to really show agency on the page, you need to give them multiple options. Yeah. So they, you can't force them into a corner where there's only one decision that they can possibly make because otherwise we're not really seeing them make a decision. You've boxed them into mm -hmm. a corner and they have no choice. Um, and so part of what you want to think about for each of those scene goals or scene choices 
is mm -hmm. what are their options on the page? Are you giving them an option to make a better healed decision? And are they not choosing it and making flawed decisions instead? And you want to be giving them those um, kind of forks in the road in every mm -hmm. single scene. And they might be really small. They might be really big. But you want to make sure that whenever they have a choice or make a choice on the page, a big choice, that they are they have options um, because otherwise it's not really a choice. Yeah. Uh, I. That's so funny that you were talking about this last week because so is I with one of my <laughs> clients where we were doing her backstory and um, this particular character has a very traumatic backstory and she had a lot of trouble coming up with choices for this character mm -hmm. because it just felt like they were um, pushed into a corner every scene or they were like um, – so traumatized or victimized that what were they supposed to do? That kind of came down to it. it was like, how are you supposed to react when you have experienced yeah. a trauma? What do you do? And she had a good conversation with a friend and then came to speak to me about it on our coaching call that like even victims have choices. They yeah. don't have to be like awesome. I mean awesome in the case of like, yes, that is favorable. Like they don't need to be yeah. favorable choices, but they do – everyone still has choice. Um, yeah. And – once that set with her, she said it a couple times throughout a call and she said it in her exercises. Even victims have choices. Um, what she came up with for that character and how that character like was going to react to the scene, they were brilliant. Mm. They were so brilliant. They were so thoughtful. And it was such a strong like, yes, that is how that character would respond when they were in a very traumatic and difficult place. Um, so yeah. I, I've also seen this question too of like, well, what if this character's in jail and they can't get out? Like, what if they're yeah. what if they're captured? What if they've been captured? That happens a lot in fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what are they supposed to do? Your character still has a choice. They still yeah. need to have something to choose to do, even if it's not favorable to them. That still is a choice. People still yeah. make choices when they're stuck between a rock and a hard place all the time. They just do yeah. the best with what they have. One of my favorite examples of this is from A Number in the Ashes by Sabah Tahir. Yeah. There's this excellent scene. Um, I'll try not to spoil the book, but there's this excellent <laughs> scene at the end of the story where um, one of the point of view characters has been arrested and he is going to be executed. <laughs> he's in jail. Like he's in prison. Yeah. His execution is happening later that day. Like you would say this man has no choices, but the yeah. whole point of the story is that he does he has a chance he has a choice as to how he goes to the gallows um and i won't spoil anything that comes after <laughs> that but it's it's brilliant because it's like yeah. it's like the pinnacle moment of the whole story is that yes you have choices um it's brilliant so good yeah yeah okay you want to break down just let's zoom out again for a second we've got story external and internal goals, and then we have scene goals. So let's you want to break down the Avatar example? Yes. So I am a huge fan of Avatar, The Last Airbender. It's a fantastic um, TV show, if you've never seen it before. Um, and for some context, it is a children's show. So if you're going to watch it, give it a couple episodes to like grow on you. It's but so these characters, it's so good. It really is so good. And it has so many great examples <laughs> of like well-told stories. You probably hear us talk about Prince Zuko all the time. But right now, I'm going to talk about Avatar Aang. Aang is the main character. So Aang is the long-lost Avatar. He has disappeared from the world for 100 years. He wakes up after this time jump. Um, to find out that the Fire Nation has conquered most of the world in his absence. 
as the avatar, it is his job to keep balance in the world. So this is a big issue because the Fire Nation never should have taken over the world, but they were only able to do it because he had disappeared. Um, at the beginning of the story, this is like the story's catalyst in the um, mm-hmm. in. It's called book one, but it's season one of the story. Um, Zuko, who's the Fire Nation prince, discovers him and tries to capture him. And Aang then realizes that he has to set off this mission, set off on this mission to master the four elements in order to save the world, in order to stop the Fire Nation's oppression. So Aang's external goal through all three seasons of the story is to master the elements and bring balance to the world. That's his job as the Avatar. But on the inside, internally, he's driven by this need to rid himself of the guilt of abandoning his purpose. So he disappeared because he essentially ran away. And then he got caught up in a storm and frozen in ice. But it never would have happened had he not run away from his purpose. And because he did that, it plunged the world into a war and he feels so much guilt about this. So he's going to bring balance back to the world because he feels so guilty that he left it and this happened. So he's on this journey. Um, He needs to master all four elements. The only one that he's mastered at the beginning of the story is air. He's an airbender. In one scene on this journey, he he knows he needs to master earthbending. So he goes to the earthbending kingdom and he meets um, an earth king named Bumi. And Bumi gives him this test and says if he completes this test, Bumi will train him in earthbending. And so his scene goal at that moment is to complete the test so that he can be trained in earthbending. He needs to be trained in earthbending so that he can master all four elements. And once he masters all the elements, he can bring balance back to the world. So they're all connected. The only reason that he ever went to the Earth Kingdom in the first place was to be trained in earthbending. And the only reason that he agreed to this test from King Bumi is because King Bumi will then train him. So it's a lovely little, like, each step of the way, Aang has to do something different. And Aang has to complete this other goal in order to complete the story goal, the external goal of bringing balance to the world. And once he does that, um, I mean, it's not like this movie's, this show's been out for 15 years. He does. He brings balance to the world. Yay. Hooray. Um, And along the journey, he makes friends. He finds love. He he builds friendships. And that is what rids himself of the guilt. So he does fix the world, but um, he finds love and healing along the way. It's so good. Yeah. So you can kind of see how, how there's that chain of effects. You know, if I do this one thing in this moment, then this will, this will be possible and this will be possible. And then, you know, up until you're, you reach that, um, that external story goal. So two, I've got two caveats that I want to add, um, before we kind of jump into some actionable questions and and wrap up here. The (laughs) first is now I'm like, what were they? Um, okay. So the first is that that external goal is often the, so the external story goal, the thing that's driving the story is often not something that is, um, driving the story necessarily until you break into the second act. So mm-hmm. it's not something that your character is going to, to open the story with. Aang doesn't open the whole story of Avatar with the plan to master the four elements. Some stuff has to happen in act one before he gets there. Katniss doesn't Mm -hmm. open 
you know, the Hunger Games, planning to win the Hunger Games. Some stuff has to happen before she finally commits herself to, I'm going to win. First she gets, she volunteers to save yeah. her sister and then she gets swept up into the, the training and then she finally decides, I'm going to try to win it. Um, so, so just as a caveat, a lot of times people get hung up on that external story goal being something yeah. that's present on page one and it doesn't necessarily need to be, mm -hmm. um, and, and often isn't. Um, so, but the internal goal is something that is very longstanding. It's a, it's a mm -hmm. deep human desire that's been driving them for a really, really long time. Um, probably most of their life. It's the, the thing they desire the most. Um, and so just a little bit of difference between those two things. Um, yeah. and then the other, Chocolate. the other thing I wanted to add <laughs> before I forget it <laughs> is, um, we said at the beginning, yes, your, your, every scene needs to be related to your, your story goal in some way, pushing towards your mm -hmm. story goal in some way. But you might have the question of, well, what about the quieter scenes? You know, what about the mm -hmm. relationship building scenes? What about, um, you know, those slower scenes, the romance scenes, and the romance scenes. And the thing mm -hmm. that I'll often say is you don't want to make it feel like, or, or you risk if you, if you take a break from the story goal, from, from pushing towards the story goal, you risk making the story feel like it's gone on a tangent and so yeah. you want to avoid that as much as possible. But there are transitional moments. So I think Avatar is a really, really great example because there are a lot of quieter scenes where the the kids who are helping Aang, who are all working together mm -hmm. to master the four elements and bring balance back to the world, are traveling a lot. So you yeah. get a lot of travel sequences where they're, they're traveling to achieve their story goals, but they're following um, internal goal-driven scenes where they're yeah. driven by, you know, Aang is driven by ridding himself of guilt. And so whatever's happening at a smaller level are steps towards that. And so just yeah. make sure, like, if you're if you're having trouble tying it to that story goal, that at least it's tied to that internal um, or this external story goal, that at least it's tied to the internal story goal. Otherwise, it will feel yeah. very much like a tangent. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You're completely right about Aang. So Aang is, as a character – Again, this is a kid show. They, these are kids. Aang is extremely playful. He is constantly – he's mischievous. He's always trying to have fun. He's always trying to get the kids around him to, like, have a good time. He makes jokes. He, like, does pranks. He's, like, a – he's a very funny character. But it's driven because he's trying to outrun his guilt. Yeah. He's constantly having fun because he's trying to avoid – Um that crushing weight of him abandoning the world. So you're yeah. so right that even in those slower scenes or in those playful scenes where it seems like they're just having fun in a river, they're not. Aang is like driven. He's trying to avoid all of this guilt. Um, and they they end up having like a reckoning of that in the third season where he has to address that. He has to realize that he's avo he's been avoiding his own pain the whole time. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's such a good example. And I have i don't think I've ever really realized that. Um, so I'm yeah. really glad you said that. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise it, you can feel like, oh, I didn't mean to write like a super plot driven thriller. Like I wanted to have romancy moments and like friendship yeah. moments and, and all of that. And you still can, but just make sure mm -hmm. that those moments are being driven by um, the internal goal at minimum. Yeah, um, love it. Okay. okay, so let's jump into how to do this. Yeah. How do we create story goals? How do we create scene goals? Um, let's start with story goals. So 
The first question that we ask ourselves is, is what is your main character fighting to accomplish throughout the story? What's the main plot's focus? What is this book about? Um, what problem or obstacle are they facing that they need to solve or fix or overcome? What does your main character actually want on the inside, whether they know it or not? So if they're fighting to get this big thing, this problem that they're solving, why? Why are they doing that? Why do they care? What do they hope to get out of it? Those questions are going to help you drive both those external and those internal goals and make sure they are connected. We need to go into that deeper why of why they want that big thing. That's what can get us closer to the internal goal of what they're driven by. Absolutely. So then when you're looking at your scene goals, um, a question that I will often ask, um, because it can be hard, right? You have, however, let's say 60 scenes in your story, yeah. right? And you're like, how do I make sure that each one of these is driven um, by the story goal without being repetitive? So I'll often ask or, or suggest, you know, zoom out, what is the character's plan for achieving their story goal? Um, you know, Aang's plan is to first master the four elements. That's his plan. Mm -hmm. And so his plan to do that, right, you can keep breaking it down. Well, his first plan to yeah. do that is he needs to master the earth element or whatever, whatever one comes first. Water um, bending. Water bending. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> first, he needs to uh, master water bending. Um, and so, you know, how's he going to do that? Well, his plan to do that is X, Y, Z. And so you could keep breaking it down until you get, um, okay, what's the first step of their, you know, their smallest plan, the most tangible plan. Um, that is a, is a really good way to, to figure mm -hmm. out those story goals. Um, and then how can you, how can you break those plans into smaller bites, um, into smaller steps and how can you, you know, use those as building blocks from one scene to the next? Yeah, that was really helpful for me as like a, um, a more discovery driven writer is understanding these two things, but then knowing that scene goals are just the broken down plan of how to achieve your story goal. I always yeah. would get stuck in act two and be like, what's going on? What are my characters doing? Like, I don't want them to run out of steam. I don't know what's happening. But once I understood like, well, what's happening is by is being driven by what they want and how they yeah. plan to get what they want, then it it becomes a lot easier to, to come up with or, or to ideate on how do they plan to get what they want and how can my plot make that harder for them or what are they going to run into as they're making scene choices. Um, so if, if you're normally driven on like the, the pantsing side of the spectrum, just keep in mind that they are trying to get something and they need baby steps to do that. So yeah. what are they going to do for each of these steps in each of these scenes that's going to build towards that story goal? And that will help you feel less like you need to plot everything, but still give you the cohesion and the direction and the agency and the focus that your draft needs in that really big act two. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Cool. So we have an event coming up. Emily, would you yeah, tell us about this event that's open to everybody? Absolutely. I'm so excited about this. So we are leading a masterclass um, open to anyone and everyone who wants to come um, called How to Craft a Page Turner. So this class is going to be on March 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern. And it's going to dive deeper into exactly what we've been talking about today. We're going to um, go even deeper into the um, external and internal story goals and how those are tied by your character's flawed belief. Mm -hmm. We're going to um, break down like what, how, even more how story and scene goals are tied together by the magic of what we call pivot plans yeah. um, and how pivot plans line up to, to story structure, really. 
Um, we're going to give advice on common blocks and challenges that relate to these, these issues, you know, like questions like, uh, what do I do if I run out of ideas or I don't know what comes next or I'm stuck in act two? We're going to break all of that down for you. Um, and we're going to do a live Q&A. Mm -hmm. So the class is going to be $25 um, and you can, it, there will be a recording. So if you can't come live at 1 p.m. on March 24th, then you will get the recording of it. Um, and you can enroll, sign up, join yeah. us. Join us, <laughs> at, plan to come. <laughs> At goldenmayediting.com slash page turner. And we'll put that link in the show notes, but it's going to be amazing. Yes. yes. Um, it's super fun. These slides, we, we've made them already and they are fantastic. Chef's kiss on fire. Brilliant. So come <laughs> March 24th at 1 p.m. And like Emily said, if, if you can't make it live, um, you still want to buy the class because you'll get the recording. Everyone will get the yeah. recording and you can watch it as many times as you want um, and use this to help you drive your characters and your plot at the same time. Um, so yes, that, that link will be in our show notes. So sign up there. Cool. 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 All right. If you want to build a successful, fulfilling and sustainable writing life that works for you, you've got to get on our email list. Sign up now to get our free email course, the magic of character arcs. After seven days of email magic, you'll have the power to keep your readers slipping pages all through the night. Link in the show notes. We'll see you there. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you.